Okay, this is podcast run through in three, two, one. Hey there, everybody. It's Justin Stapleton. We are here with the soon-to-be-named podcast, and we're going to talk uh, a little bit of sports today. We've got KPRC Channel 2 sports anchor, sports aficionado. We call him the sports mad wizard. Adam Wexler with me. Wex, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I feel like the uh, name of the podcast, as delivered by Mr. Stapleton, is actually going to stick. It's the soon-to-be-named podcast coming to you. I feel you know, like that might stick. I think it, I think it will stick, especially if I could say it in that voice again, yeah, too. Yeah, of course. I've got to say it in that voice. So, uh, Okay, so big night tonight. Stroh's coming back into town. After how many games on the road? That was a That's a healthy road trip for this early in the season. It certainly is, and it's even healthier when you take care of business. And, and it's so simple, and the cliches get so old, but they're true. But it works. All we have to do is win series. All we're trying to do is win a series. That's how you get this kind of record. And that's literally all there doing they don't even have a, an 8 10 12 game winning streak some unbelievable streak of, of they just can't lose but over the course of the season they're just winning series they've only lost two series all year we're in mid-may and they're coming home for a 10 game homestand big distance between themselves and the rangers in the division creating a little cushion in the al and this homestand could help create more cleveland Detroit and Baltimore all coming in town. All teams that expect to be in the playoff chase. Absolutely. All teams good that, good test for the Strohs too. Sure. Let's see what they can do. Maybe these early teams will all be here. battling for the second and third and fourth and fifth seed behind what clearly is the best team in the AL. Absolutely. And interestingly enough with that too, you see some of the teams, obviously Cleveland maybe not so much this year, but Baltimore, for example. Baltimore, known for their hitting. Got some big bats in Baltimore. Not always necessarily so big on the road, but we'll see what they can do. And, and I think that's that brings a good point, you know. And this is getting back to your idea about winning the series. I remember, uh, what what is it, every even year when the uh, <laughs> Giants were winning the World Series? Crazy stats. For a God, while, right, numbers. yeah. Nutty stats on that. But I remember listening to a... Uh, Bruce Bochy one time, the mm-hmm. uh, manager of uh, the Giants, and said... Astros catcher. And Astros catcher, very well done. See, that's why he's the best in the business, folks. Uh, but I remember him saying almost the exact same thing, where he said, we're not trying to put together 10, 12, 15 games in a row. We just need to win two out of three, three out of four. You put all that together, and you end up with a, what, 26-11 and 11 Got up series to, at this point. Yeah, 26 and 11 is where where they were. They're 29 and 12, 41 games of the season. So roughly at the quarter point of the season and, and they've done nothing but play great baseball. The last series they lost was on the road at the Indians, who now obviously are making their return trip to Minute Maid Park starting tonight. So good chance for a little redemption there. The obviously the Indians were the best the American League had to offer last year and are right back in the thick of things this year in the Central. So again, it, it's who they're playing always seems like, well, is this a test? Is that a test? Well, it's the other teams that should be saying that. It was a great. It was a test for the Astros to go into Yankee Stadium. Well, they they passed. Blew them out. Did, right. did they do okay? If it was pass fail, I'll be simple. They yeah. passed, but they got an A. Yeah. Uh, the only game they lost that first game of the doubleheader on uh, Sunday. Just waiting till they got on national TV to go homer, homer, grand slam in the first inning in front of the national audience that probably still thinks, ah. Oh, it's the Astros, the right. stinky 110-plus loss team that they just haven't seen much of nationally over the last couple of years. But 
uh, boy, are they going to see a lot of them over the next 120 games. And you know, make a, you make a really good point there too, Wax. The last couple of games that I've been watching, you mentioned the two Yankees games. When they went down to Miami to play the Marlins, you noticed that the bats jumped all over the opponent in the first couple of innings. You look up, and before you know it, it's 4 nothing. You look up, it's 6 nothing at that point. And how much of a relief, or I guess I should say, how much pressure does that take off a Keiko who looks like he's finally starting to get back to his form from two years ago, a Lance McCullers who's clearly come back, some from injury at this point, starting to pitch really well, a Mike Fires who, shaky at times, last outing actually really pitched quite well. How much of a just confidence booster is that for the starting rotation? I'd probably pull Charlie Morton out of that uh example and say probably helps a guy like that the most he's been very good this year has had a couple of rough innings usually one in each start that's kind of ballooned the era up a little bit but before he even hits the mound in that yankee game he's got that six nothing lead and what does he do with it he throws strikes his first seven outs of the game are strikeouts he's throwing the ball he's saying go ahead i've got a cushion here i'm not going to put guys on base i'm not going to put my team in trouble there's no big home run three run homer that's going to put us behind the eight ball here and so these guys will throw strikes What's also good is on the rare occasion that they haven't scored a lot of early runs, and they didn't in the start most recently for Keuchel, and they clearly didn't either for Lance McCullers. He was pitching with a one nothing lead for five innings. No problem. He gave up no runs in this start. The bullpen finished off the third shutout of the season for the team, and it's been a perfect mix. The, the offense, and we'll see it tonight in the 6 o'clock, got a graphic for you that the offense is arguably the best in the American League. And so is the pitching staff with the best ERA in the AL. Well, it stands to reason if you've got the best of both worlds, you're sitting atop the league, and they are. You're the best team in the league. You know, and I think you made a good point with that, too, to say that people I don't think are sold on it yet. They're still waiting to see, ah, okay, you know, it's in, and talking about cliches, the old, well, it's May. It's just May. we got a long season, long season. But I think what we saw, going back to two years ago again, was you know, sustaining themselves through June getting into July, getting into the dog days of the season when you're into August and September at that point where, where guys are going to get a little tired, you're going to get into a few slumps, arms are going to get a little tired, somebody goes on the DL for 15, you got to pull somebody in that may not necessarily fit with the rotation as they did before, but you know, it looks like getting everybody off to a good confidence start now is going to pay dividends so that you're not having to play that frenetic catch-up at the end of the season, like we were trying to do last year. Yeah, you're you're the manager of that team you just described, last year's team, who started seven and seventeen, and you feel inclined to push each game as hard I, as you I, can. I got right? to not only start Altuve, I got to leave him out there all game. I've, I've got to push Keuchel through what clearly is not a strong season and keep trotting him out there and keep trying to get him through six and seven. And the difference this year is not only have they not had to do that. The quality of their everyday lineup extends well beyond one through nine. It extends to Mariznick, it extends to Gaddis, and it allows uh, the manager to sit Springer and Bregman on the same day. It allows them to give Correa a day off, give uh, Altuve a day off. Marwin Gonzalez were in mid May and still leads the team in home runs with nine. He and Springer both have nine. Uh, One of the new additions, Brian McCann, leads the team in RBIs. You would think if I told you Brian McCann leads the team in RBIs this deep into the season, that somebody else must be hurt, or he's having an incredible year. You're having a lights Neither out are year, true. Right. He's having a, a good year. You know, he's having a, a really helpful year, the kind of year they hoped he would have, a little bit better than, than what they would have expected, but nothing outrageous. But any given day, that, that could change. Like after the game today, somebody else could be leading the team in RBIs. They got seven guys all bunched together because every time you go through this lineup, that opposing pitcher has no innings 
off. There's no, oh, I've got seven, eight, nine now. Sweet. I got this. It's just not happening. Yeah, balance hitting from top to bottom for sure. All right, so we're going to take a little bit of a pause here. We'll be back in just a bit with Adam Wexler. We are here with the podcast. We're going to switch gears just a bit and uh, go from the boys of summer to the gentlemen of fall. We're going to talk a little Texans here coming up in just a bit. Stick around. All right, welcome back to the podcast to be named later with uh, KPRC Channel 2 Sports Guru, Adam Wexler. I'm Justin Stapleton. Uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Obviously, uh, nice to have the Strohs back in the driver's seat, at least for now anyway. Uh, let's talk about another Houston team here that made some big moves in what they like to call the NFL draft. Talking about the Texans. Texans, i, I got to be honest with you, Wex. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still marinating on this at this point. I, I watched Deshaun Watson put on one of the probably best, well, let's call it the best three minutes of a fourth quarter that I've seen in quite some time uh, to beat Alabama in the national championship. Let me just ask you, before we even get into where he fits in with the offense and all of that, do you feel that that was a driving force for the Texans to make the moves they did to go up and get him? I don't think there's any question about it, especially listening to what Rick Smith said, what his teammates have said, what Bill O'Brien said about that winner that they believe he is, that leader, that magnetized, magnetizing figure in the locker room that they think will bring everybody together, and then they'll get behind. you got to get behind your quarterback. He has to lead the team. It is automatic that the quarterback is the leader of your football team. As he goes, you go. And in the NFL, it's clear as day. That's what's happened in a negative sense to this football team. And during the Bill O'Brien era, it is who's up next to quarterback because he never knows. Right. And I'm, I'm concerned a little that that could play out a little bit this year because of, of uh, the situation that Tom Savage is in and, and obviously the, the push they made to go up and get Deshaun Watson. He still needs to earn the job, but at some point, you know, if Watson starts the year and doesn't play well, is he pulled? If Savage starts the year and he doesn't play well, is he pulled? And are, are people already going, oh, same old Bill O'Brien, he can't decide on, on who his starter is. But just simply in the case of, of Deshaun Watson, he's gone through rookie minicamp now. Uh, this next week begins three consecutive weeks of OTAs, so he'll be playing with the veterans. And I think that'll go a long way towards pushing towards camp in West Virginia to see if he really can take this uh, take the bull by the horns and become this team's starting quarterback. Yeah, and I think you know that's something that that obviously not just the team and you could and and again you see these guys every day when you're with training camp and this and that talking through the season. You almost saw last year they wanted so badly to believe that Brock could do it, you know, and 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 I felt like they did. I felt like Brock really wanted to believe that Brock could do it. You know, I watched him play at Arizona State when I lived out on the West Coast there. And I felt like the style that he had at Arizona State was so much more fit for his frame. Tall guy, lanky, funky delivery, takes a long time to arc that over because he's built like a scarecrow at this point. And they moved him around. He had all kinds of movement back there in the pocket. And again, I'm not a football expert, but just to see him try to stay contained or sort of you know drive within the lines there, it just didn't seem like it was a fit from day one. No, know? it certainly didn't. And uh, you know, to say you're you're not a football coach or a talent evaluator, sadly, I think that's what people are starting to think about the Texans brass yeah. when it comes to quarterback because yeah. they've gone through so many different options. The difference in Osweiler and now Watson is this is the only time they've had any conviction about this is our future. 
They've played Hoyer, they've signed Mallet, they've played Keenum, but none of those guys were ever considered Fitzpatrick. None of them ever considered the future. They were the present. This is we have to play somebody. We need to make do with what's out there. The last two years, they have had some conviction. Last year, pushed by the owner, go get me a quarterback at whatever it costs. I don't care. You better go do it. Right. And this year it was more about we screwed up. Take your time. Make it happen again this year, but find a way to go get one of these but guys. But find who you want at yep. that point. You know, and interestingly enough, let's talk the psychology of just of that moment, or of that point, for rather. Going back to when the Texans originally picked their future, a one David Carr. Mm-hmm. I, know that, I know that's a Voldemort name around here. Okay. He shall not be named. However, uh, you know, this city has already gone through that once. Uh, with less than stellar five years worth of it five years worth of of that poor fella running for his life and spending most of his time looking and smelling the grass versus throwing touchdowns uh, down the field but I think that you know part of the other question if we want to take a cynical view of this we can say just as you mentioned you know OB comes in here as the quarterback guru this is the guy that oh you know he's with Tom Brady he's in is in Belichick's system he knows quarterbacks well we're finding out that okay maybe it's a little tougher than just he knows quarterbacks but at the same point I do think that given some of the rhetoric that we've heard from the head coach about, hey, I know what I'm doing. You need to trust me. The proof's in the pudding. And so far, the pudding doesn't taste very good. So is this sort of OB's last chance to get it right before he's sent packing out of the city? I think so. And, and I think in this case, he actually has two batches of pudding to, to lean on. You know, One is clearly the, the gold star batch. That's one is the, the that's, tapioca. That's in kitchen A. And that's Deshaun Watson. Now, the kitchen in the back with all the old equipment and the rundown utensils, that's Tom Savage. But I think he's put enough eggs in Savage's basket for three years. I've said this many times, obviously, with the Texans doing what they did. A lot of people around the country have have requested radio interviews over the last couple of months. So I've been on radio quite a bit, and obviously a lot of podcasts as well, like this one here. The the situation for O'Brien, for Watson, for Savage. Savage knows O'Brien's system probably better than any quarterback in the NFL. Which, for those that don't know, if, if you're not that familiar, it's a tough system. Tough system heard, to learn. a very hard system, system to learn. To execute, and yet, we say that every time it comes up and the offense doesn't play well, they brought in Case Keenum for two games. In the middle of the season, he was fine. They brought in Brandon Whedon. When he's been out there, he's, everybody's been fine. Brian Hoyer's picked it up. Everybody's picked it up. So I'm not. it's more about execution, and I think seeing what he sees. It's more about being on the same page as the head coach. He wants the offense run a certain way. They may understand the plays. They may understand what the offense is, is geared to do, but I don't think they have been on the same page as the head coach. The one year where they just completely disregarded the tight ends two years ago, last year, they basically disregarded the wide receivers. Yeah, last year it was Hopkins. the tight ends, right? So it just—I don't think they quite visualized the offense, these quarterbacks, in the way that O'Brien wants, and that's why I think this time it really could be different. Savage knows the offense; he's been in the quarterback room with O'Brien for three years. This will be four. Uh, you got a guy, a veteran, coming back in Whedon, and you have a guy who clearly you want to be the starter. The, the 2018 starting quarterback for the Texans is, is fairly well known. His name's right. Deshaun Watson, right? But who's the starter in 2017, and how well can this team play with likely three teams in their division around them all should be improved, in my opinion. I think the Colts' front office is going to be phenomenal, so they got rid of all their uh, weak link talent, and I think they're going to be much more talented. Jacksonville had a typically strong, on paper, 
offseason and free agency. It's all up to Bortles. Yeah, I mean, and, which was I was just going to say at this, but this speak about a put up or shut up year. Oh yeah, for Blake Bortles at this point, and you, Tom Coughlin will make sure it is. You're you're going to be out if you don't play well for me. And then the Titans put a formula together last year that's really going to, uh, I think, turn into a lot of wins in the future with their power running game with a, a rising quarterback and, and Mariota. So it is it is a huge year for so many Texans in that regard. Plus, all this money they didn't spend in free agency this year. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, Jadavian Clowney, among others, will be looking for big, fat checks, and that's probably where this money will go absolutely so the question is is given that deshaun has mobility let's 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 flash forward here at this point either that if savage gets hurt hopefully that does not happen or or, or they just make the decision to say okay six games in eight games and whatever it is we're going to go with deshaun number four is going out there and we're going to rock and roll with it does o'brien take the reins off and let this kid create which clearly is how Dabo used him in Clemson was we've got a couple of different play ideas here but when rubber hits the road as we saw at the end of the national championship you trust that your superstar can go out there and make a play and create is O'Brien I guess I should say is he finally comfortable with letting go of some of that control and just let Deshaun get out there and utilize Hopkins if Hopkins sees Deshaun running break off his route you know I mean you see it happen in Green Bay Aaron Rodgers is the master of Break off a route. It's like Sandlot football at that point. Guys count to three and they're like, oh, he's running. Okay. Everybody get and open. You, you at can that point. see that Cobb and Adams and Nelson, because all those they've guys, done it so many times. They understand the offense and they understand what Rodgers is looking for. They're clearly on the same page. And that's what you have to get to uh, with the Texans. You've got to have a coach in O'Brien who's willing to let his quarterback make mistakes. But the only time a coach is willing to do that is when you know this, that quarterback can override those mistakes, compensate for those mistakes with the good plays. He, a, a coach shouldn't care. If his quarterback throws 16 interceptions in a season, if he's going to get you 30 touchdowns. Now, he should care if he gives you 16 interceptions and the same number of touchdowns. That was the issue with Osweiler. There were no good plays to counteract the negative plays, the drive-killing plays, the game-killing plays. And a rookie is almost assuredly going to make those plays this season. But if he can go out there and make the other plays, get the team down the field, put points on the board every drive, or obviously not every drive, but you know the point. uh, At least get them into a position to get points at that point. You have to have some confidence that he can not only uh, recover from his mistakes, but make the plays you've got to have to win. And, you know, the other thing you had mentioned a second ago, the rookie's going to make mistakes. Obviously, we saw what Dak Prescott did last year, which is, you know, my personal It's an anomaly. I mean, absolute anomaly. I've watched him play at Mississippi State some. And, you know, where, from there to where he went once he got in uh, with Dallas, uh, pretty amazing to see. I guess the question is now, how much more freedom does this allow a uh, Fedorowicz, a Hopkins, Will Fuller, who can straight down the sidelines. You know, you if you give a defense that potential that, hey, any minute Watson can run and you better watch those lanes. And then next thing you know, slot guys are opening up. You know, Hopkins, D hops down in the middle of the field. Number 10 is flying all by himself at this point. How much more does that open up that offense versus obviously, as you mentioned before, what we saw 
when they went to straight tight end mode, they just locked down on the receivers, yeah. and you're getting you know two two yards here, four yards there, six yards there. Yeah, Dak Prescott not a huge runner last year, but the threats but there. The aren't threat every is play. always there, and right? That's that what he can I, go. Yeah, and I, that's what's different between say if Savage is out there and Watson is out there. You know how do how do the defense react to that? How often will will say if Watson's out there, will he reluctantly decide? Well, rather than try to make that pass, I'm going to run for six yards. I'm going to run for four yards. I'm going to take what's there and move, try to move the chains, put us in better down and distance and that's something coaches love you know take a chance if it's there but if you can go get positive yards and continue to put us in a good place then go right ahead and I think you'll see quite a bit of that if and when Watson is out there I do think he's going to get a lot of work in game in the preseason because of it that's the only way to, to, to give him a real opportunity he clearly has to earn it on the practice field to a certain extent but I think he's probably earned it already with what he's done in his college career and what they did to go up and get him. So I do think there there can be a legitimate quarterback competition. But most of what we've heard is is a bunch of hearsay. Oh, well, Rick Smith says there's, there's a he can start and but Tom Bill O'Brien said that he's got his starter. Don't pay any attention to that right. just yet. They're they're not on the field in that competitive situation yet. Not till they get to camp, not till they're into those preseason games will really any of that uh kind of materialize. They've barely even been in, in, in the playbook together, let alone competing with one another. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. Huge price that Texans had to pay to get up there to get him. We'll see if he is worth what they paid. All right, we're gonna take a little quick break. He's best in the business, folks. Adam Wexler with us here. We'll be back on the podcast momentarily. Stick around. 